So welcome to a special edition Grass Half Empty episode where we're joined by PFF's Austin Gale. Austin, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having yeah. me. Uh, so I'm obviously here with Ed and we're just, Austin, the thing with this podcast for us is obviously the season's over. Um, draft is the next big thing, obviously, for most teams that aren't in the playoffs. And yourself and Mike obviously specialize in the two for one drafts, looking at college prospects. And we've got a few questions just to see your thoughts on it. So obviously, number one overall, everyone's general consensus, Trevor Lawrence going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, a question about that for me, the Jags job might be open and the head coach might be Ohio State's coach currently. It could be the ex-Ohio State coach. Do you think there is a chance that the Ohio State coach takes Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence because he knows him, he's worked with him, or do you think it's a slam dunk Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars? It's a question I've gotten a handful of times recently. And I think if Ryan Day or Urban Meyer do join the Jacksonville Jaguars coaching staff, it's more of a conversation than other coach goes, like say an Eric Bieniemy, you know, Joe Brady, whoever it may be. It's more of a conversation because we have that Ohio State bias. But I think all in all, this is going to be a decision made by the freaking owner. You know, like, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is – by every sense of the word, what every single Jacksonville Jaguars fan wants. And I look at it, I look at it very similar to how I look at the Cincinnati Bengals grabbing Joe Burrow. There wasn't a single person in Queen City that did not want him. So as a GM, it's a can't miss situation. It's the obvious pick. It's what everyone wants you to pick. How you fail is by taking a risk like Justin Fields because you're overconfident in your evaluation. You know, he's the better quarterback. When if you pick Trevor Lawrence and he doesn't, he does, by some magic happening, he doesn't play well and he's a bust. No one's going to look at the Jaguars front office and this coaching staff as like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what they did. No, they're going to look at it as they made the right decision. Everyone would have picked him in that situation and he just didn't pan out. I think they're better off sticking with Trevor Lawrence. I think ultimately they do take Trevor Lawrence. Though, it's early in the season, baby. After the combine, some rumors <laughs> go around. You'll get some people saying, Justin Fields and Preston Jacksonville. I guarantee it. <laughs> That's, yeah. That. You always get that, don't you? As, as, especially for you guys. You probably get, you hear all this as the season goes on. And then you'll see someone like Bucky Brooks doing a mock draft. And you'll have Justin Fields going one. Yes. And Trevor Lawrence falling to a nine or something somehow. And like, what are you talking about? But no, that's completely true. Um, so you move on to this number two pick, and before we go on, I have to tell you, I'm a New York Jets fan, and it's so depressing seeing us beat the Rams in that fixture when you just know that Trevor Lawrence has just gone out to the palm of your hand. Um, this is where it gets interesting, and this is where I want uh, a lot of listeners want to know. So there's two guys that all the Jets post, everyone, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Um, so this can be a lengthy question, but... Do you think, to start with, what's the strengths of both guys? So they both have, like, Justin Fields, obviously, a much better school. Zach Wilson's been phenomenal this season, but a smaller school. What are the strengths and weaknesses of both of them? And what, if you were the Jets GM, if you were Joe Douglas at two, which one would you take? Yeah, so I think strengths for Justin Fields, athletic, good size, former five-star. People forget ESPN had Justin Fields as the number one recruit ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Like, they had him as the number one recruit at Trevor Lawrence. Uh, 24-7 sports and rivals had Trevor Lawrence as the top quarterback, both of them coming out of Georgia. Justin Fields commits to Georgia. Trevor Lawrence commits to Clemson. And everyone wants to throw this Ohio State, Ohio State bias on Justin Fields. JT Barrett wasn't good. Dwayne Haskins is partying with strippers and out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Fields 
is a different player. He is far, he's probably the best Ohio State quarterback we've really seen. Cardell Jones, way better than Cardell Jones, all these different things. The strengths are is that he's actually accurate with the football, got the best out of a very, very good offense, and has a high rushing floor with a great size. Weaknesses are very similar to Deshaun Watson. He doesn't have a similar body type, but he's a very similar quarterback to Deshaun Watson in that he thinks he can make everything out of every play. I can hold on to the football. I can scramble. I can bail out of clean pockets. I can make the best throw. I'm going to hold on to this football. In the NFL, you lead the league in sacks taken. At the collegiate <laughs> level, it's a highlight reel here and there. Very similar to some other rushing quarterbacks in college. You need to coach that out of them. That is a weakness that can be coached, not all the way to, you know, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr levels where they're getting the ball out really quickly, but it can be coached up in the NFL. Maybe Zach, not by out of the case, right? <laughs> yeah, not by Adam Gase. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Wilson doesn't have the same athletic ability and rushing floor, I would say. Like, Justin Fields is, like, in a lot of ways like Cam Newton. More accurate than Cam Newton, but built like a Cam Newton in that, like, he can run the football, like, actually be a running quarterback in the NFL. Zach Wilson has good mobility, but you don't necessarily want him taking hits. Like, he's more similar to Mahomes in that way. Like, Mahomes is good size, but he's not, like, a guy that, like, you want running power, you know, behind the line of scrimmage like you would with Cam Newton. Because Wilson, good mobility. Better arm talent than Justin Fields. Justin Fields doesn't have the arm talent to make, quote, unquote, all the throws like Zach Wilson does. He, he can put it anywhere. He led the, uh, all of college football in throws from the opposite hash outside the numbers. That's not easy to do. Like, those are throws where you know, Joe Burrow doesn't have those on tape. Like, you know, if you don't yeah. have a good arm, you're not throwing those balls. And I think that's where Zach Wilson really impresses people. And it's why he's in the conversation. People are going to say, you know, he didn't face good competition, whatever it may be. I don't care what competition you face. You put some of the throws that Wilson put on tape, you're going to be like, oh, my God, he can be our Kyler Murray. He can be our Josh Allen, the guy that can make every single throw. That's who I want on the offense. He can do everything for us. Where the Jets should go, definitely not Sam Darnold. You know, there's this competition. <laughs> Stick to Sam Darnold and develop him. Trade back, allocate picks. You want to go that direction, you're going to be in a very bad spot, and here's why. One, you're passing up on two really, really good quarterback prospects that I think you could argue be number one overall picks if Trevor Lawrence didn't exist. Two, the 2022 quarterback class is kind of scary. Keaton Slovis has not played well this year. He was expected to be that number one guy. Spencer Rattler has all the arm talent in the world, but so does Zach Wilson, and he's already there for you. You don't know how many games you're going to win in 2021. You could find yourself in a situation where you're picking six or seven and still have a shitty-ass Sam Darnold. You're in a very, very bad spot. Like, that's a bad spot to be. I think the Jets would be very smart. So even though all offseason, Joe Douglas, like he said today, is going to say Sam Darnold's a very good quarterback, you know, Sam Darnold's our guy, whatever it may be, they need to address the quarterback position at two. I think ultimately – they should go Zach Wilson, but I would I honestly think you're splitting hairs between the two. That's interesting. Uh, the Sam Darnold thing is really interesting because, again, on the Jets pages, it's so torn. And I look, I, when Darnold was drafted, I was on the hype, like, yeah, this is the guy, we're going places, Super Bowl in three years, all that. And now you look at it and you're like, okay, he is not the guy. Like, he's just not. Like, you can say all about Adam Gase, but Joe Flacco looked better in that offense. And this is a, <laughs> this is a very old, withered Joe Flacco who was ousted from Broncos team. Like, yeah. um, and that was the kind of the nail. And I mean, Darnold showed at the last game against the Patriots, throwing those horrible picks at the end. Um, what do you think the Jets could get for him? As he's still quite young, right? He's quite young. There's teams out there that have good coaching staffs, aging QBs, the Falcons, the Steelers, um, even the Saints, for instance. Um, all these I think, teams. I think a third round pick. I, I think a third round pick makes the most sense to me. It could be multiple picks, like a third rounder and a fifth rounder. Where it gets too rich, in my opinion, is a first and a second. 
Because not only are you bringing in a quarterback that's played like, you know, not good so far in his career, but also you're getting him at the tail end of his rookie deal. Like you don't, like you like Sam Darnold on a rookie contract. You start to hate him if you have to sign him to a second contract. So I think a third and a fifth, a third and a sixth is where I think it makes sense. I think it could be all the way up to draft day where Sam yeah. Darnold gets traded on draft day or day two of the draft to another team like a Washington football team, Pittsburgh Steelers, New Orleans Saints, even Tampa Bay, like you, mm-hmm. you can see a lot of those teams like swing the battle. Why not Chicago? You know, Chicago is a team that I think they, you know, they have had, a, they have a terrible quarterback situation right now. I also think with Miami and I, maybe we'll get to this next, but yeah. it, there's a, I'm picking up the phone. If I'm Ryan Pace in Chicago about Tua Tungabailoa, Hey, would you take him for a second? Would you, can we take him off your hands for a second round pick after what we've seen? Yeah. Miami probably says no initially, but as it gets closer and maybe they feel like that Justin Fields is a better prospect and he's falling to them at three. I mean, you can get, get rid of Tua, not get rid of him, not give up on him, but move him for a second round pick and then take a quarterback prospect that maybe your front office believes more in than they did in Tua. Like if Tua, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson all came out in the same class, Tua, I do think is the number three quarterback of those, two, of those three. And at that point, if you're Miami, I think you start to consider it. Yeah. Moving on to, to what you were just touching on there about the, the Dolphins. I think they're one of the most interesting um, teams this year with, with picks at number three and, and 18. Um, and my, my question is, yeah, I, what, what do you think the, the kind of general opinion of, of Tua is and, and how much do you think the recency bias of the, the kind of the the last taste that the, the fans in the front office got from that, that, that humbling from the Bills and how much do you think that's really going to impact the, the kind of draft decision um, and where do you think they should, they should go? You know, you alluded to possible trade options and things, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, my opinion first off is that if you're making millions of dollars to make decisions for a football team and you let recency bias affect your decision, you should probably be fired. I mean, just <laughs> did not play well in that game. It was arguably his worst game of his NFL career, and that matters. But you can't let that you can't let that game force your decision. You have to look at the full sample size of what you've seen, including what you saw at Alabama, what you coveted from him coming out of Bama, because you you saw something in him. You know, you took him as the number two quarterback in this class. You felt that you could build an offense with Tua Tungabailoa. What has gone wrong? What has gone wrong with what you thought you had in Tua Tungabailoa? Is he making mistakes you didn't expect? Or is the offense just not making, you know, the supporting cast letting him down? The offensive line is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And I've said this before, but I do think Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, while talented, is not like a leading wide receiver group in the NFL. I think they can yeah, add no. there as well. Jakeem Grant has battled injuries, um, all that stuff. It, they run more tight ends than they run wide receivers. Mike, Mike Secchi, Durham Smythe, all that stuff. I think Miami is in a position where you can't let recency bias affect your decision, but what you can do is understand the value of that number three overall pick in this class specifically. You have two, you have three or four legitimate top 10 talented quarterbacks. You don't expect to draft at number three overall. You shouldn't be drafting at number three overall. Bill, Bill O'Brien gifted you this pick. You're now in a position where you can add value at the most important position in sports, not just football, the most, position, most, most important position in sports, in the quarterback position. And I think the value of that pick is too great to not at least trade down and then grab your Panay Sewell or whoever you want in the non-quarterback position or actually take one of these guys that falls to them. And I think – the same guys that were making the decision about Tua Tungabailoa should look at this class and say, is Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or even Trey Lance a better prospect? Can we make a better offense 
around these one of these three guys if they fall to us than we can with Tua. And the answer, if the answer is yes, then you take them. I don't care what you've invested in Tua. I don't care that you already spent a draft pick on him. I don't care that he wears number one for your football team, and that's cool. You need to make the best decision to win a Super Bowl. And I think that makes the most sense. And you can recruit some of the value. It's not like giving up on Tua and you just burn him to the ground. You know who burned the guy, their pick to the ground? Washington football team with Dwayne Haskins. You probably could have traded Dwayne Haskins for a second round pick. You probably could have traded Dwayne Haskins for a second round pick and took Tua or Justin Herbert at two over Chase Young. Chase Young's been great, defensive rookie of the year, but getting good at quarterback is how you win in the NFL. And you have an opportunity to do that and trade away Dwayne Haskins. The Dolphins don't want to be in the football team situation next year. Tua's not going to have a maskless stripper party. I know that. He's better off the field. But I do think Tua, if he has another bad season, his trade value gets closer to what Sam Darnold's going to be getting, third and fifth. You don't want to be in that situation. So you better be damn well confident that you can put together a good offense with Tua and, and reassess why it didn't go well in 2020. Was it the system? Was it the offense? Was it the supporting cast? Or was it freaking Tua? And if it's Tua, you got to find a way to fix it or take another quarterback. I think uh, just on that, I think uh, Mike Renner tweeted something saying that Tua's actually been average, right? He's been average for a rookie quarterback. It's just the high status being by Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, that everyone's like, oh, Tua's garbage. It's not Tua's garbage. It's those guys have just performed at a level. But it also doesn't help that their own coach is benching him in games. That's also true, yes. (laughs) If Tua was playing average and there was more confidence from the coaching staff into a tongue of Iloa, then it's a different story. But the reason it's even a conversation is that they're literally benching him for Ryan Fitzpatrick to try and come in and win the football games. Like that is a problem. I could see a situation. So you saw that Tua Tungvaloa was brought in for Ryan Fitzpatrick when I think the Dolphins were three and three. And Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. was playing good football. Benched, yeah. I think that was a front office decision, not a Brian Flores decision. And you could see how he battled with that because he's trying to go to the playoffs. He's trying to win coach of the year. He has a good defense. Maybe we can do it. And he has to battle what the front office wants and starting to a tongue by Loa and trying to actually put together the best offense with maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. With the, with carrying on, so if you say they don't, they're backing to her, right? And they, I'm, I think someone will come up to three to get the whoever's left from Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, they drop down to five, six, seven, whatever. Where would you go with what you've got with the Dolphins? Do you go Penn Isil? Do you go for one of these stud receivers, Jamar Chase, um, the two Alabama guys? Where would you go as a GM again if you're in that situation with what you've got with the Dolphins right now to help two out? So I think if Penesu is available after a trade down, say at five or six, which I think would be really surprising, I think he's the obvious pick. I think he's that blue chip non-quarterback in this class. I don't think there's another blue chip player. And I think there's only two or three non-quarterback blue chips players every year. But this year, I don't know if there's more than just Penesu. Like the best receiver in this class, Jamar Chase, is not, in my opinion, a blue-chip wide receiver prospect. Micah Parsons, not a blue-chip linebacker prospect, in my opinion. He's, he's, no, he, he probably is, but I just have this <laughs> freaking linebackers in their position. <laughs> Micah Parsons is a generational talent linebacker, probably the best since Luke Keekley. But what value do you have in that? It does not, it's, it's tough to think about that sometimes. But I do think so, regardless, what they should pick. I think so you should go wide receiver, adding Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, wherever they end up trading back. If Nasol's off the board, I think you take your favorite receiver that you think you can win with. Again, it comes back to, I tweeted this recently too, draft evaluation is largely overrated. You need to spend X time evaluating who the good players are and 5X time evaluating how you're going to use each one. Because if, say, you think Jamar Chase is the best player, you have no idea how you'd use him in your offense, you probably shouldn't fucking pick him. If you have a good idea of how you want to use Jalen Waddle and think you can have success with him early, 
that's the best receiver. It's the Kyle Shanahan approach. No one had Brandon Ayuk as a first rounder in that class. He traded up to go get him because he knew I can do a lot of good things with Brandon Ayuk. I know I can win with Brandon yeah. Ayuk. That's how you should be drafting players. Screw evaluation. Get an understanding of who the best guys are using the combine, all the film access, the senior bowl, talking to coaches. You have all this information to at least get a general idea of who the best players are. And then after that, I think it's up to the coaching staff to say, these are the players that we can win with right now. These are the players that will work in our system on and off the field. Ed, do you want to carry on then? Let's move on from the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. So my next question, moving a little bit away from the, from the up-and-coming draft to the last draft, um, as, you might, as you might be able to see from my T-shirt, I'm a big uh, Ravens fan. Um, Patrick Queen, I wanted to discuss him in with you because PFF, a lot of the kind of fan groups and things, you know, he, he makes quite a lot of plays on the ball, big time kind of kind of plays. So he's, you know, he's kind of a, a bit of a, a bit of a pop player where you think he's doing well, but then you know when you evaluate the grades, they're pretty pretty scary. Some of them I can't remember. I start, I stopped looking at the uh, the grades because <laughs> they were making me so upset. But I think there was a run of five games there with his uh, where his pass coverage was. Kind of rated under thirty, and it was it was getting pretty ugly. Um, you know, what 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 do you see in him? What do you think of him as a as a as a possible player going forwards? Um, and and uh, yeah, can you kind of explain the grades there for for everybody who doesn't quite understand them? And people are really upset about how Patrick Queen is graded. <laughs> and honestly, rightfully so. It is so hard to grade well at off-ball linebacker in today's NFL and in PFF system. If you give up a lot of receptions and coverage, including screens, underneath stuff, you're going to grade poorly. And I think you've seen that with Patrick Queen. Also, missing tackles will absolutely destroy your grade when you're playing at the second level as much as Patrick Queen is. He's missed a lot of tackles. He's not defeated a ton of blocks in the run game. And when you have that from a play-by-play basis, you're going to grade lower than maybe the splash plays will say, the sacks, the forced fumbles, and those types of things. Patrick Queen was an insane linebacker prospect. He was called one of my steals of the first round because of how, you know, how successful he was at LSU. I and remember. The, <laughs> the problem is, I think so far, and I think with all defenders this year, or rookie defenders, is that the game is just way too freaking fast for him. It's, still, it's way too fast for everyone. And that was Chase Young is the only rookie that graded above 80.0 on the defense side of the ball for PFF this year. You know, rookie quarterbacks got absolutely torched. Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen, uh, all, uh, another rookie linebacker I'm missing, Willie Gay Jr. has even graded kind of poorly this year because I do think that it's a reactionary position that's very difficult to play in the NFL. You could probably only name three or four elite linebackers in the NFL, Eric Kendricks, Bobby Wagner, maybe Jalen Smith in his prime, but even he has struggled. Yeah. Like it's very difficult to play linebacker in today's NFL. And I think we're seeing that. And I think Patrick Queen to do it with no off season, no preseason, Come in and play starter for the Ravens. I think it's impressive that he even lasted the year. I mean, Ravens are one of those organizations that know how to build up linebackers. We've seen it year on year. So I wouldn't be too worried, I guess. But yeah, Don't be worried. The jury yeah. is like it. I would say every single defensive player, that, a rookie that took snaps this year, you cannot call good or, you know, a bad or good. I mean, I think yeah. Chase Young is yeah. obviously great. But you cannot say – any of these cornerbacks, any of these linebackers, even pass rushers. Even Trayvon Diggs. <laughs> even Trayvon Diggs. <laughs> like, you know, like, I love Trayvon Diggs coming out, and I think you've seen some better things of late, some better yeah. ball function at least. But even Trayvon Diggs, you can't call a complete bust yet. Like, it, 
it's a very difficult to play defense in the NFL right now. It's even harder when you're a rookie, and it's even harder when you don't have a preseason to prepare for the league. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But that's very true. Um, I think that's all the draft stuff we had. Uh, I think the talking about um, – because my next question was going to be about defensive backs, but you kind of already alluded to that. Um, one of the things that I did in, my, in our first podcast, and I, had, I obviously had a few friends on, was a question I put to them, and it kind of stumped them a little bit to do with quarterbacks. So um, the last three uh, draft classes we've had with quarterbacks, if you, Austin, were given a PFF-graded 16th overall offense in every other position, and you, had, you were on the clock, and all the quarterbacks, the last three draft classes were on the board, which one would you take? to take your off, that would be your franchise guy and you'd be confident in. So that's obviously Baker's class, that's Daniel Jones's class, and then the one we just had with uh, Joe Burrow. Man, that is tough. <laughs> immediately, immediately, I don't want to say Lamar Jackson because I do think that he's a quarterback that in addition to needing a good supporting cast, you kind of need an offense that's built around him it's exactly what the Ravens did and it's why he won the MVP they built an offensive line that could really run block they had running backs that worked well with him and they ran an offense with Greg Roman that really catered to his strengths I don't think I'm ready for that with a 16th ranked offense I need somebody that can actually elevate the strength of their supporting cast some of me wants to lean Josh Allen for how well he's played this year but I think he's another quarterback there where if he doesn't have a Stephon Diggs a John Brown Cole Beasley and a very you know an improved offensive line he's not playing well it sucks, man, because I don't want to be this guy that just hangs on his pre-notion opinion. I would either go Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. I think those two come to mind. If I had to choose between the two, I'd go with Kyler. Best arm talent, maybe up there with Josh Allen. And a guy that I think has played outperformed what Cliff Kingsbury has given him. Talk about <laughs> a letdown. Cliff Kingsbury, honestly, was expected to be this offensive guru coming out of Texas Tech. He's had quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, um, I think he's even played with Baker Mayfield was at Texas Tech when Kyler Murray was there. Like, this guy has had a lot of good quarterbacks work under him, and he has yet to really put together a very, very good football team, specifically a good offense. The Cardinals ranked 20th in EPA per play in 2019. I think they ranked 24th in EPA per play this year with Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray has played better than what Cliff has done for him. It's too many screens, not enough creativity with how they're using DeAndre Hopkins. And the best thing about his offense is honestly how they run the football. They spread things out get low box counts, run Kyler Murray, run, you know, Kenny Drake and those guys. But the passing game is atrocious. He has not adapted to the NFL with a legit passing game that will work and cater to Kyler Murray's strengths. I'm going Kyler. Nice. Uh, one thing I would ask that you said Baker in there, and I've always been, I've, I've not been a fan of Baker maybe because he was in the same draft class as Sam Darnold. And I've just, I just don't like the guy himself. He seems like a bit of a bell. Um, but um Baker, you said that uh, you maybe lead him, but you saw in his second year when he didn't have the offensive line, when he didn't have the pieces, he was he was questionably one of one of the lower four, five, six QBs in the league. And now this year, don't get me wrong, he's done really well, but he's got the best running back here. He's got one of the best offensive lines. He's got all pro receiver in Jarvis Landry potentially. And is that not more a case of he's kind of similar to what you just said about Lamar Jackson, where when he's got the system, when he's got the running game, when he's got Stefanski's offense, and he can play the play action, he doesn't have to look past his first read, he's great. When he's yeah. pressured, he's in trouble a bit. I, I think it's interesting, because I think you could say the same things about Josh Allen. I mean, Josh mm -hmm. Allen, without the supporting cast, without Brian Dable cooking on the sideline and Stephon Diggs, was literally a bottom five quarterback in the NFL. And now everything's firing off, and he looks very good. He's played like an MVP 
good caliber level, but a lot of that is situation. I'm not sure if you listened to the podcast episode I had with Jordan Palmer, but Jordan Palmer talks a ton about situation for quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. He says the situation is everything. There are like one or two quarterbacks. I'd say two. No, let's go three. There are three quarterbacks in the NFL that regardless of the system, they're going to ball. It's Mahomes. It's Deshaun Watson, as you saw, with a four-win frickin' Houston team grading as well as he did. And then Aaron Rodgers. I think those three quarterbacks, you could confidently say, would make any system look pretty damn good. After that, it's finding the right fits. I'm telling you. Like, the situation is so important. There's only a – Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I think can be a Mahomes, Rodgers, mm-hmm. Watson. A guy that can elevate any system. But Josh Allen can't elevate any system. Baker can't elevate any system. Neither could Darnold, Rosen, any of these guys that came out. And I don't even think – I mean, Kyler – as good as he is, has not elevated or played above what the Arizona Cardinals have given him from an offensive scheme and adding DeAndre Hopkins and those things. Baker Mayfield in the right system can be a very, very good quarterback, and I'm confident Josh Allen can as well. And I think you look at what his second season was. It was with Freddie Kitchens. You talk about not a good That guy, I have the, you know, everyone right now, when I go on radio hits and, and talk to people, yeah. is like, who's the best head coach in candidates? Who should go here? Who should go there? I don't freaking know. I know this guy was a good offensive play caller. I know he was a good defensive play caller. But how does he lead a locker room? Does he get buy-in? Does he create a winning culture? Do players and his coaching staff respect him? You didn't see that in Freddie Kitchens. What you did see was a pretty cool playbook that Baker played with. After that, when he was trying to call plays and manage the roster and manage the team. (laughs) (laughs) It was ugly. I think think the coaching situation is interesting because you're looking to bring in a guy that is a leader – and a CEO of like a business. The CEO, the CEO doesn't call plays or make these minute decisions. He builds a staff beneath him and, and um, delegates to the level where you can have a ton of success. You know, Bill Belichick's don't grow on trees. He's, one, he's like one of the guys that can be a GM, a play caller, and a coach and still have, you know, a ton of success. And one of those reasons is he's got buy-in. There's not a single freaking player in the league alive that wouldn't want to play for Bill Belichick. And same with the coaching tree as well. Younger coaches don't have that. And that's why I think when you look at coaching candidates right now, Robert Salah, I don't know him personally, but from what you see from the sideline and talking to Richard Sherman, talking to some of the players that have played with him, he has buy-in. Everyone freaking loves that guy. It's a big reason why Anthony Lynn lasted as long as he did. Everyone loved Anthony Lynn. When I was still in San Diego, I went to San Diego State. Yeah. I covered a couple of Chargers practices. And you, you hear people talk about Anthony Lynn like the dude was the second coming of Jesus. Like everyone loved <laughs> Anthony Lynn. Melvin Gordon was a huge fan. Brandon Meebane was there. This is one of the best young coaches in the NFL because I think he established a, a very, very good culture. He just was bad at time management. His time management is absolutely awful. And like, I feel like the staff beneath him was not calling really good plays. Yeah. I think one of your guys, I think it might be the PFF Daily or one of those, when they were like, he just needs to hire a dude that's in the booth. He goes, call yeah. a timeout. Do something. <laughs> <laughs> he just can't. He could have done that. Again, like I think some <laughs> to delegate like what are Anthony Lynn's strengths all the players and coaches love him okay mm-hmm. where what how do we win with that he needs to delegate every other decision to someone else and they better yeah. be <laughs> that's yeah that's so true I, I mean Ed's happy because in our podcast Ed said Kyle Murray as well um I went with Joe Burrow because just what I've seen him as Cincy and I mean as Cincinnati's as you know the offensive line is absolutely horrible the guy's been running around for his life most of the season and obviously ended up getting injured but what I've seen from him, just the way he's read the field, I think the first few games he was quite slow. I think he was still he still thought he was in college where he was behind the LSU offensive line. He had all the time in the world, and he was getting killed. Um, but 
yeah, I think I went for I went for Joe just because I thought he read the field quite well. He he had the arm talent as well. Maybe not as much as Kyler. Maybe not as athletic as Kyler. But maybe he just reads coverages a bit better from what I saw, just because he was in such a bad offense. It's good. I would probably take him close to after Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. And I think too much is being made of the fact that he doesn't have, like, legit arm talent. Like, he's not an elite arm. Not enough is being made of the fact that he worked behind that offensive line and was an anticipatory thrower with accuracy to the levels of Drew Brees and Derek Carr and guys that have been in the league for a long time. Aaron Rodgers, even. Like, Joe Burrow came in. To, a, to an offense, where Zach Taylor, I think, has had questionable play calling. I'll say it. What, 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 <laughs> bad offensive line and a really, like, a one-dimensional receiving core, just a bunch of big possession guys, and still managed to look very, very good. He's going to get better. He's going to bounce back from this. Will he ever be Kyler Murray or Josh Allen? No. But what he can be, I think, in the NFL is a consistent down-to-down thrower with an accurate football. Guys that have had success like that, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, even Derek Carr has played well of late. Like, you can comp him to guys that are just consistent throwing the football. I think Drew Brees is honestly where he'll probably trend. Like, if he can get to the point where he can have the success on the deep ball that Drew Brees had without, like, elite arm talent, you're going to be talking about a really, really good quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think since you've, since you've hit home run there, but, I mean, they need to protect him because that, that guy was honestly – watching some of the Cincy games on Red Zone, like, this guy's – it was painful, so painful, painful. to watch. <laughs> I'm not even a Cincy fan, and I was like, oh, God. Um, I think, like, we're coming to the end of it, and, like, there's just a few things that, with the playoffs coming up, just thought you'd take your takes on some of the games. Um, there's obviously a few dead rubbers in the NFC, um, and is there any chance you see a shot coming from Cincinnati, uh, from Chicago? Maybe Saints bottle it once again. Mitchell Trubisky signs a new contract after beating them. Potentially. I mean, it- – <laughs> In football, in like single single elimination playoff brackets, there isn't any given Sunday mentality. But the Bears are ten point dogs for a reason. I mean, they, they're, they're this is not going to be an easy football game for them. They have not had good quarterback play from Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky in quite some time. I think the Drew Brees led Saints should roll. Will they? We'll see. They're playing at home in the dome. I think that will help both Trubisky and Drew Brees. But I do think the Saints should win this one. Maybe they don't cover the spread. I, I think that 10 points is a lot in the playoff game. But I do think the Drew, Drew Brees and the Saints win this one. Mm, it's very interesting. Ed, any, any, any yeah, games? What, the, what, about, what about Washington? What do you think their chances are? I've got a sneaky feeling. Might be having a little bit of a flutter. Put a few coins on, on, a, on an upset <laughs> there. I, I fancy the the defensive front to cause some some problems for, for Brady. What do you think the possibilities are? Or do you think I'm wasting my money? I'm wasting money. Maybe maybe against the spread, but I, I do think that that defense is legit. That front four is legit. They like to rush forward. They don't want a ton of stunts. They play coverage zone coverage on the back end. That's gonna you know they're gonna throw some different zone looks at Tom Brady to try and get him off his you know try and get him off his rock. But the problem is they won't be able to score. Like the Buccaneers defense is also pretty damn good, and that Washington offense has been worse in an EPA per play perspective than when even Haskins was starting because Alex Smith has that tendency to check down and doesn't push the ball downfield. It's a conservative offense. I was on Washington DC radio recently, and they're saying, well, we're winning games with Alex Smith. Could he be the quarterback? We're going to the postseason with Alex Smith. Could he be our quarterback? It's like, no. You're going to be a freaking two-touchdown <laughs> dog to every playoff team you play. But people don't think about that enough. People don't <laughs> think about how the predictability of Vegas spreads. If you're a freaking underdog by seven plus points every time you're playing a good football team, it's likely you don't have the quarterback because that's the biggest differentiator. 
you know, having a quarterback that can actually lead your offense is huge. And I think the football team doesn't have one, and they've kind of ruined their opportunity to get one by having, like, this weird level of success and playing in the NFC East. You know, like, that, that's the unfortunate part for the, um, the Washington football team because they're going to be a team that I think should be calling the Miami Dolphins about two of should be calling um, the New York Jets about Sam Darnold. I know right now I think some betting markets have it at even money that Cam Newton will go to Washington after this season, yeah. which will be interesting. But what success is he going to have? I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's did not – he played better than what the Patriots offense gave him. Because Tom Brady didn't play well in that offense either. You can't expect Cam Newton to play much better. But in going to Washington, unless you add another piece, opposite Terry McLaurin, got to re-sign Brandon Schur, it's going to be very difficult again to like put up points in that offense. But I would love to see some football team Panthers revenge games from Cam because that would be quite the treat. That would be quite fun. Yeah. And um, I think the final, final question for me, I think, from us is um, who's winning the NFC and AFC for you? Who's going to be in the Super Bowl? I think, I mean, it'd be stupid not to say the Chiefs and the Packers because yeah. like, mathematically, <laughs> but like, okay, let's, let's, let's entertain some ideas here. If I had to pick, <laughs> I had to pick a non-Chiefs and non-Packers football team, I think I would go the Buffalo Bills and the AFC, and then I'd probably go the New Orleans Saints in the NFC. I think the Buffalo Bills can really, really score. Like what they did against Miami, a very good defense was absolutely insane. I mean, I know they played Josh Allen in the first half, but even their backups played well. And I think in the NFC, it's a little bit closer, like maybe between the Saints and the Bucks. But I do think the Saints are getting hot at the right time. The offense looks good. The defense is playing way better than what um, they were earlier in the season. I think you could see the Saints being that team in the NFC. But right now, it's a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl, in my opinion. It'd be interesting to see if something differs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah for I me, yeah. I mean, agree. Ed was Ed had a little sneaky Ravens thing. He was like, "Oh, we're getting hot. We're getting hot at the right time." As soon, as soon as we beat, as soon as we beat the Browns, I, I bought in entirely, and then uh, <laughs> I just didn't want the Titans. I didn't want the Titans. I think should be the game of the weekend. I, I honestly do. I, I think it's going to be that good. I think both offenses can score, and both defenses aren't that great. The Titans is worse, and I think for that reason, the Ravens should have the slight edge here, and they do three and a half point favorites. But I do think this game is going to be a shootout somewhat, if the weather permits, and I think it will. Um, and for that reason, I think it's whichever team has the ball last. It could be Tennessee, it could be Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, luckily, as a Jets fan, I never have to worry about these games. Um, <laughs> and um, maybe, maybe with Zach Wilson in two years' time, I'll be there. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, Austin, honestly, thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking some yeah. uh, draft stuff with us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, get to talk to you more coming up i'm sure you'll be really busy and i let i mean we only have like 40 listeners but i let you plug your two for one draft <laughs> <laughs> if you want um, <laughs> yeah yeah for sure man i appreciate coming on definitely make sure you tune in to two for one drafts it's uh mike and i's podcast there you can find it wherever you get your podcast also follow me on twitter at pff underscore austin gale thanks again guys thank you very much mate thanks a lot, man. The end of the podcast. appreciate it